Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. I'm uh, grateful for uh, Pastor Abraham Shanklin uh, preaching last week. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, him. Uh, he's a, a great, great man of God. And, and, um, and one of the things that Abraham said that is just so true is that before Jesus put loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your strength together with loving your neighbor, there's no way to measure your love for God. Uh, but the truth is that love for God it overflows into action. It overflows into love for neighbor. So we're going to talk about the actional side of our faith today. And, uh, and as we continue all in, you notice these guys out of the airplane. Um, it's not something you can do halfway, right? And in Revelation chapter 3, the scripture says this. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Now, guess who that is? Okay, like in Sunday school, usually if you say Jesus, you're pretty good, you know. <laughs> Jesus, yes, Johnny, that's so good, you know. So the ruler of God's creation is probably, it's Jesus. Listen to this. I know your deeds, okay? Notice what, um, what Jesus is focusing on. He's not talking about your accumulated knowledge. He's not talking about your your religious, um, you know, background experience, it's what's translated into, into action. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. The point is, all in is the way of faith. And halfway is worse than no way. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That is a a response of, of revulsion. You say, verse 17, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. In other words, you come to me with this kind of self-sufficiency, like I'm okay, I'm, I've got what I need, but the reality is you don't realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Halfway is worse than no way. And the truth is, it's all in or not at all in. And today I want to talk about one of the classic all-in stories in Scripture, the story of David and Goliath. There are a few stories that more illustrate what it looks like to be all in and all out for God. But it's all too easy to leave this story in the past and to not connect with um, with the story. And it's not because of the giant Goliath. We all have Goliaths in our lives, true? We all have these impossible, fearful, scary, uh, I can't, you know, barriers in front of us. I think one of the, the reasons for the disconnect with this story is not the giant Goliath, but it's the giant David. That David is so perfect and so you know, um, astonishing and so amazing in every way that we think, well, I can't do what he did because I'm not who he was. But the key to the story isn't the capacity, the personality, um, and the super gifting of David. This, the key to the story is 
his faith. The key to the story is a trustworthy vision of God that translates into action. And as we unpack the story, we, we, we're going to see uh, a picture of David seeing what other people didn't see. And it all translates into the 21st century. Uh, God is as present now as he's ever been at any place through all human history. Can we see that or not? Hmm? That's the question. The story is going to be the story of Israel um, being attacked by the Philistines. And the Philistines in 1 Samuel 17, uh, they, they come to war against Israel. And, and they're at the Valley of Elah. And at the Valley of Elah, the Philistines are lined up on one side of, the, of the, uh, the mountain ridge. The armies of God of Israel are lined up on the other. And there is Goliath who comes down every morning and taunts the armies of God and the people of Israel. And, and that's the outline of the story. I don't know how many soldiers there were involved. Uh, sometimes there was 30,000 soldiers. Sometimes there was 150,000. Sometimes there was 200,000. Let's just say there was 100,000 soldiers lined up on the, the, um, the Hebrew side on, on the valley. All anyone could see was a giant. Except one boy named David. And he saw God. So before you disconnect from the story and think, oh, that's a great story and, and uh, you, know, you know, David, I'm inspired by it, but I'm not him. Um, actually, you are him. Because you are called by the love of God into faith and trust and you are called to see what he saw and to know that God is trustworthy. And the focus of this connection in the story is not whether you're good enough, it's whether God is good enough. The, the connection in this story and the power of its unfolding in your life is not whether you are faithful, but is God faithful and can you trust his faithfulness? Don't worry about trusting your faithfulness. Look at the faithfulness of God. Can I trust him? Can I see that God is bigger than this moment? Can I see that God is bigger than what's in front of me? Out of the 100,000 on, on the, the, uh, the edge of the valley, one saw God. So the key to this story is a clear-eyed vision of God that inspires you to action, to do something. Uh, 21st century, <clears throat> we have a vision of church as uh, we're going to teach you stuff. You sit on Sunday, you check the box, and you pretty much, you're done. That's, that's what it means to follow Jesus. That is such a lie. It is such a lie. What we do on Sunday morning um, is a celebration and a launching pad of, of what God has done through us throughout the week. And the truth is that all real faith in God translates into real action in the world. Following in the footsteps of Jesus means that you will do in your world what Jesus did in his every single time. And all of us can be as all in as David was. The point of the story isn't the glory of David and how good he was and powerful he was because remember, he's nowhere near a king at this point. He's just a shepherd boy. He's in, in the eyes of, of everybody there, he's a nobody. 
This story is about the willingness of God to work through people who see the possibilities of power, of his power, and they make a move. And I'm just telling you, uh, there's a whole lot of us here who need to make a move. There's a whole lot of us here who are stuck on the, 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 in the Valley of Elah with a giant in front of us, and we're looking around waiting for something to happen in our lives. And what's already happened is God. And what needs to happen is for you to see him and for you to make a move. We've got the giants, right? We can connect with that. Uh, we've got the stuck. Is there anybody here? This is not a question you answer out loud. Is there anybody here who isn't stuck in some areas of their lives? I don't think so. But what's mi- missing in our lives is a bold vision that motivates bold moves. So my prayer is that you and I see God. In fact, I want to pray for that right now. Father God, right now, many of us can only see our pain. Right now, many of us can only see the problems in our marriage, the problems with our parents, the problems with our kids. We can only see the problems at work. Father, we can only see all of the big impossibles in front of us. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes to see the glory of God, the reality of Jesus in our living. And I'm asking you to help us see our call into the valley. In Jesus' name, amen. See, the truth is, as we get ready to unpack the story, is that broken reigns until faith takes the field. Every time. You know, your whole life, uh, there's just going to be broken in, in your life. Um, there's broken in your past. There's broken in your family. Um, there's broken with people at work. Uh, there's broken deep, deep down inside of you. There's broken ahead of you. There's broken everywhere around you. There's, there's, there's only broken until faith takes the field. And when faith takes the field, everything changes. In fact, when faith takes the field, it takes the field. And whatever was on the field opposing God falls down. So, I mean, this is about about taking what you believe about God and putting it into action and and living it. Years ago, uh, I I was newlywed, a young married, you know, guy and and, and I'm I'm learning more about Jesus and, and what a servant he was. And then I recognized, wait a minute, here's a brilliant connection. I have to actually focus my life on serving my wife. And here's my honest fleshly reaction. I don't want to serve her. I want her to serve me. Now, I want to say that I want to serve her, but really what I'd like for her to do, I'd like to serve her enough to get her to serve me. See how that works? It's like in in marital counseling sometimes. uh, The hardest thing for people to do is you set them knee to knee and you say, okay, I want you to give uh, three reasons why you love the person in front of you. And inevitably, it starts to come back to say, well, I love the way, uh, I love how you make me feel. Wait a minute, did you catch the boomerang in that? No, no, this is about them. And in hearing the call of, of Jesus to serve him, I heard a call of Jesus to serve her. So real faith always translates into action. 
um, seven days a week. So guys, I, I want you to, to hear that, that you can move out of your broken, but faith is going to have to make a bold move in your life. Wherever you're stuck, wherever you're sad, wherever you're locked up, wherever you're frozen, you're on the, the, the sides of the Valley of Elah. But if, if faith, based on a, a vision of God inspired by, by Jesus, if faith will, will you know, inspire you to make a move, I promise you that when faith takes the field, it takes the field. There's no Goliath there after. In 1 Samuel verse, uh, 1 through 17, I want to just remind you that what we're, what we're up against is real, it's hard, and it's way bigger than any of our, our abilities. And, and, and you know, as, as you are, again, facing your own stuck and your own heart and your own sadness and your own anger, um, you know, for some of you, it's so big and so overwhelming that it's just crippling your life. In fact, there's some of you here who really don't even want to be alive because you think it's just so impossible. It's just so big. Goliath, he was nine foot and some change. I'm not denying the big, but I just want to ask you one faith-based question. What's bigger than God? Seriously. Now, throughout all this message, I want, I want what, what you hear God saying to spark something in your imagination that translates into application. What's bigger than God? Okay, in that moment, you have an opportunity to take your fill in the blank and then, and then see the glory of God. To see Jesus at the right hand of the throne. To see the, the empty tomb and Jesus uh, made alive. Some, some glimpse of the truth of the glory of God. Some vision. It'll always inspire some action. Now the Philistines gather their forces. Uh, again, they're on one side. Uh, the Philistines are on the other side. Goliath comes down. The, the scripture des- describes him as a champion, I guess so. Uh, he had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor, weighing 5,000 shekels. That's 125 pounds. 125 pounds. Um, that's like uh, most of me, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, he... He had a, this, a spear that they said is the size of a weaver's shaft. We don't really know what that is, but I guarantee it's a whole lot wider than this. The tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds. So I want you to imagine the strength of an arm that could hurl that, you know, 30 yards um, with, with accuracy. Um, that's, that's a fearful amount of firepower. And early warfare may have lacked some of the technology, but um, it didn't lack any brutality or lethality or effectiveness. You're just dead up close and personal. And then the scripture tells us that, that as fearsome as he was, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come up and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, um, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And then 1 Samuel 17 verse 11 is one of the most sad and visionless verses in Scripture. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites 
were dismayed and terrified. I want you to, again, have the picture. A hundred thousand warriors. Every morning, getting up. Let's just start with day one. Getting up, putting your battle rattle on, all your gear. You know, if you're an archer, you've got your bow. You've got all of your arrows carefully made. Um, your sword is sharpened. Um, you know, this, this is, again, up close, lethal, personal, courageous uh, warfare. And, and they stand on the sidelines and, and they listen to fear. And what happens when you listen to fear? You stay stuck out of the battle. Too afraid to make a move? You can't see God anywhere? This is the armies of the living God. And, and yet no one in the entire army of God could see enough of the reality or the relevance of God to make a bold move. The truth is when our eyes are full of giants, there is no God to us. Has to make you wonder with the 21st century church when there's so little movement, so much stuckness, so much doing nothing, how can that be? There's only one way. We're not all in. There's only one way. We don't see God. We don't see his reality. We don't see his relevance. We don't see the glory of God. We, we don't look back in scripture and, and read it hungrily and, and see the, the, the battles of faith throughout the ages. And, 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 and we look and we don't see how everyone who trusted God ended up. We don't take a careful look at the life of Jesus and, and hear the hardship that he went through and, and yet the victory that he, that he won. We don't look at the end of the book and, and see how at the end of the book Jesus is coming again. That the trump is going to resound, the sky is going to split, the Son of God is going to come like lightning and God's going to judge all of the earth. That sounds like the winning team to me, Amen. That sounds like victory is assured. Where's our vision of that? When our eyes are full of giants, there is no God to us. I wonder if, you know, if I was a t-shirt maker, on a day about 25, I would have had 100,000 t-shirts made and handed out to the army of Israel. And it would have, you know, said the army of Israel, right? The armies of the living God, but then it would have had the red circle and then the bar across of it. Because like not, you guys aren't the armies of God. But I'd have to hand out those t-shirts to the church as well. Because we think coming and sitting on Sunday is the full extent of our discipleship. We think standing on the sidelines, because everybody else is standing on the sidelines, is what we're supposed to do. But we're not supposed to be up here frozen in fear. We're supposed to be out in the broken. We're supposed to be slaying the giants. We're supposed to be, um, we're supposed to be the, the ones who look for the least and who take what's too big and impossible and then we look up to God and we say, wait, that's smaller than God and then we take the field in faith. And every time we take the, the field in faith, we win the battle. Broken reigns until faith takes the field. And in this story, when David finally takes the field, it's glory. That's another way that you can tell if you're having faith. Does God get any glory from your life? Most of us spend our lives crippled in the valley of Elah. 
We're more aware of ourselves and our abilities or our inabilities. Do you, do you see how egocentric this is? Okay. Whether you say, I am nothing and I am terrible, or whether on the other side of that you say, I am great and I am amazing, what's the subject of both those sentences? Where is God? Faith uh, takes I out of the picture. Uh, faith does a John 3.30. I must decrease and he must increase. And, and as I um, begin to lose sight of myself, my sight is more and more filled with God. And I have a holy and a sanctified imagination that, that the Holy Spirit uses to inspire, um, you know, the possibilities of God. And it's at all levels of life. So again, don't take this story and think it just has to play out before a huge audience. It starts at home. Man, when you have a vision of the love of God and how much God has loved you and forgiven you, then, then that softens your rock hard heart and you start to love your family and the family that's wounded you in a new way. You make a bold move into the broken with the love of God that you've experienced. I mean, it's a 360 degree thing when you, when you see the glimpse, the possibilities of God in his presence, it changes you. But it doesn't just change you to think differently, it changes you to do differently. And so we waste our lives without making anyone making a bold move um, to make a meaningful difference for the glory of God. Chapter 17, verse 26, says this. Um, well, it, 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 it's the wrong verse. <laughs> it, it says this, and the Israelites were terrified and, and totally afraid, dismayed of heart, frozen in action, verse 11. Here's the other connect to the story. It's usually the least likely who are the most likely to see the possibilities of God. So some of you discount your abilities, your giftedness. You think, I can never do anything for the kingdom of God. Uh, God could never be use, use me to be the one that inspires other people to, to have faith. Because you see, a little bit later in the story, when David rushes in to the Valley of Elah and, and slays the giant, guess what all these 100,000 guys on the sidelines do? They, they rush in as well. <laughs> they move. And, and the truth is that your faith will either inspire people to, to faith or your lack of faith will inspire people to lack of faith. Your life given to God will, will either uh, cause other people to give their lives to God or your life ungiven will uh, work to keep people from, from the Father. But know that you do have influence, more than you can imagine. And the more that you consider yourself uh, unlikely to be used by God, you need to know that you're the most likely person to use by God. Oh, Pastor Drew, it'll be you. Nope. It's going to be you. David was a kid at this point, not a king. He was, he was a, a, a shepherd, not a soldier. There were soldiers all around who trained all their life for battle. There were big guys, bad guys. There were guys who worked out in the gym every single day. There were guys who spent hours every day practicing with sword and spear and javelin and arrow. There were people all around who were big and bad. And David watched sheep. He was a religious peon, not a trained priest. 
There were priests there with the people of God. And, and where were they? They're absent in the story. Nobody sees God. Nobody looks up and says, hey, there's a God in heaven. It doesn't have to be hell on earth. There's a God in heaven who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to, to redeem the world. We don't have to just, to just live sad on the, the sidelines of a broken world. Again, stop complaining about America and do something to fix it. Get in the battle. Find something broken and don't just talk about it. Do something in Jesus' name. You be the one that inspires a whole community of people to follow you into some, something beautiful and something redeeming. Uh, there's all these priests who are there with the people of God and none of the priests were inspiring anybody to see God. But David, he saw God. And he saw that the impossible isn't with God. And so in verse 26, he, he says, hey, what's going to be done for the guy who defeats Goliath? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, in other words, something in David's imagination based on God is going, hey, you know, this isn't impossible. So guys, I want to share with you this, all right? That, that a bold vision of God inspires bold moves for God. So, so if you and I are stuck on the sidelines of the Valley of Elah, it's because there's no vision of God in our lives. How do we remedy that? We get into the presence of God. We seek the Lord. We read the word of God. We, we struggle. We dare to believe. We apply the scripture to, to the, our problems. And we take the promises of God and, and we... We throw them at the giants in front of us. We sling them at the giants in front of us and we watch them fall. Bold visions of God inspire bold moves for God. So the church that has a true vision of God Almighty, the everlasting, the Alpha and the Omega, that church is going to, to do bold things for God. The, the, the believer who actually sees the reality and relevance of God is not just going to sit and do nothing, looking around at everybody else. Oh, they're not doing anything. Well, he's not charging the valley. Well, he's not either. And, and I guess this is what we do. That's where we are in the 21st century. A bunch of people calling themselves Christians, sitting on Sundays, and, and living um, you know, non-revolutionary lives uh, Monday through Saturday. That's not Christianity. Jesus, seven days a week, did his Father's will, and, 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 and he lived a, a better story. Psalm 910 says, those who know you, uh, know your name, put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So to truly know God is to take the next action step of putting your trust in him. If you say, I know God, but you don't put your trust in him to act, you don't know God. But when you have faith in God, because you know that no one who seeks him ever fails, then, then you have faith. You see, the determinative factor in every situation is God's faithfulness and power, not ours. We're going to make some moves in the, in the days to come as a church and and, uh, and it's going to be like, we can't do that. And the answer is going to be, you're right, we can't, but God can. For some of you, I'm telling you, God has put something inside of you to make a difference in a broken world. Love that you've experienced from God has given you a vision for um, taking love to something, uh, you know, something that's broken in the world, but you're holding back. You're standing on the side of the valley going, I can't do that. Your focus is off. 
Again, it's not I'm so great or I'm so terrible. It's God, you. And so train your heart and mind to recenter on the Lord our God. Train your heart and mind to be aware of his love for you rather than trying to, to you know, be good enough loving him. I promise you, you will love him the more you are uh, drowning in or swimming in the sea of his love for you. It's, it sounds like a subtle shift of focus, but it's, it's, it's everything. It's the difference. And every vision of God inspires faith-filled action. You cannot see God without doing something about what you saw. You know, when they saw the resurrection, they didn't just stand around and say, well, that was something, you know. That was quite something there. He was done dead, and now he's alive. Hey, Ethel, what's for dinner? It's not how it worked. The power of this story isn't David's abilities, it's his faith. And the same faith that David had inspiring the people of God to get in the game is the same faith that, that God wants you to have to inspire the people of God to get into the faith. Chapter 17, verse 45. I want you to just imagine what David saw that nobody else could see. Again, this guy has no military training, none. But David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Okay, <laughs> All right, all right. So, so we have a a you know a two two three bullet on this side. You know that's that's the projectile, and the projectile I'm coming against you with is the name of Jesus. I'm tempted to think that's going to carry more weight, <laughs> but you'd be wrong. David had this vision of God. Do we? Guys, do you and your faith, uh, you know, has there ever been a time in your life where faith just gripped your heart and, and you could see the reality of God in your circumstances? Where you could see the hope of God and the power of his love rise above uh, your, your, your problems and your pain? Has there ever been a time in your life literally where, where the darkness of how you felt was just illuminated by, by, just, by just a sense of the goodness of God, the love of, of Jesus Christ? All of those things are, are glimpses of visions. All of those things are, are just various facets of what it means to, to see God, to see God by faith. You come against me with the sword and spear, I see that. I see the javelin. <laughs> but, but here's what I see as I see the glory of God. Here's what I see. I see the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Verse 47 of chapter 17, and all those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. It's not by, by human uh, effort and energy. It's by faith in the power of God. For the battle is, is the I am's and he will give all of you into our hands. And David goes rushing down into the valley of Elah. He's thrown off the armor of Saul. He has five smooth stones from a stream. He has a long piece of leather and he begins to swing it as he's running. I mean, the logistics of this shot are impossible. First of all, he's got a sling. He's swinging. He's not aiming something steady. He is swinging this. 
And he's not swinging this at a steady target with a big circle. He's swinging this at a giant who is now running towards him, cursing in anger. And so here is David on the run. Here is Goliath on the run. Here is a stone in the sling. And David lets it go in the name of the Lord. And down the giant goes. Bold visions of God inspire bold moves from God. Let me just wrap up and, and, and just share with you why bold moves for God are so very, very rare. <laughs> First of all, common sense. I mean, common sense can't see God or the relevance of God. So if right now you're stuck with your problems and your pains and your issues in your life with common sense and what you see, you're, you're host. I'm just telling you, you're going to be stuck for the rest of your life if, if all you see is what you can see with your little head and your little eyes and your little mind and your little heart. You're stuck. So, sorry. The reality is that rationality and reason uh, will not see God. There has to be a supra-rational approach to life. I mean, it's still, it's, in fact, it's, it's true rationality. It's not deceived rationality. It's, it's, it's informed by eternity. So that when I live my life, uh, I'm not denying anything, but I believe that we are not just creatures who, who are bound to time and then die. I believe we are eternal. I believe there is a creator of the universe so that the universe has meaning and order, that there is a story guiding this story. Uh, you know, to, to believe in, in the super rational and in the eternal means that I interpret my life in time in light of eternity and I can see heaven. And I can see the judgment of God and I can see the glory of God and I can see the victory of God and I can see the, the joy of, of heaven forever and the win of love over all the hate and broken in this world and, and I'm choosing the winning side. But if you can't see that, there's, there's no bull moves. Another reason why the bull moves are so rare is because we're all engaged in groupthink. We look around, what's everybody else doing? Oh, nothing. Therefore, that's what the norm is. That's what I'll do. And that's garbage. And, and the truth is, I, 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 I kid you not, the truth is that, that other people's eternal destinies are going to be influenced by whether you choose to stay on the sides of the valley, quaking in fear, not fighting your fight, or whether you choose to run down in the valley and take an impossible shot. Man, I long to see God getting glory for himself through the least likely people because you who are the least likely are the most likely avenues for the glory of God. Bull moves will never happen when your imagination is captive to fear instead of captured by God. Take a look at your imagination right now. What's going on in your imagination? Is it a sad sexuality? Is it just a deep darkness and defeat? Or in your imagination, can you, can you see the victory of Jesus Christ over all of time and all of eternity? In your life, is there more of a focus and an awareness of who you are than who God is, <laughs> who Jesus is? If you will practice the presence of God, if you will just speak the name of Jesus, if you will shift the focus of your life a thousand times a day from you and yourself to Jesus and his glory, I promise you there will begin to open up in your life. It will be as if the lights came on, as if the darkness was, was illuminated by a new dawn. 
and you will see new things about God and everything you see about God will inspire a new action for God. Broken reigns until faith takes the field, but when faith takes the field, it takes the field. Guys, how can we live such weak and wimpy lives? How can we be content to just look around at at other people living who happen to be alive in the 21st century and see what they're doing for Jesus and say, well, this must be what it's like. It's not what it's like. You wanna know what it's like? This is what it's like. Go here. See, see what God did. See what people who, who loved him did. See what faith does. And get off the edge of the mountain and, and charge the valley. If you'll ask him, God will give you a bold vision of his glory. If you'll seek him with all your heart, you, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If you'll have a quiet time with God every day and open your your pain-ridden heart to to the healing love of God, He will reveal Himself to you. He will show Himself to you. Jesus will will be present with you. And and, and in that revelation, there will be an inspiration to make a bold move that's going to change the lives of people around you. It'll start in your family. It'll start with your wife, your husband. It'll start with your kids, your parents bold vision of God, which is what I'm praying for for us as the church at Seven Run, a a bold vision of the glory of God always inspires a bold move. So what's your bold move? I want to give you an assignment today, right here on the the back of of the worship notes. It's for work this week. You know, you've got all day tomorrow to do your homework, okay? How aware of God's presence are you in your daily life? I mean, do you, do you come on Sunday and there's this little bit of light, like a little night light, and then the rest of the week is like dark and an eclipse? Or, or is every day a journey of, of life in the presence of God, the awareness of God and His love? Where are you stuck personally? Why? Why are you stuck there? Why are you, why are you standing on the side of the valley of Elah? And what difference would a bold vision of God make in your stuckness? And what's the giant standing between you and your bold move for the glory of God? How does God want to use you to advance his kingdom? No, I'm very, very serious. Everybody look up here. I'm finished. I promise. God the Father wants to use you as his daughter and his son to advance the kingdom of God for his glory. You're here for a reason. Your life has eternal impact. And you can leverage that impact for the glory of God or you can stay on the sidelines in fear with the herd. My prayer for us all is that we would, that it would begin with a holy imagination seeing the glory of God and then in, in that new dawn, we would see that that giant, he's a walking dead man. And when I step into the field, God will reveal it to be so. So I want to pray for your vision. I want to pray for your bold moves. And I'll pray for us as a church in the days and years to come that, that what we do will echo through eternity in a way that will change this, this region for generations to come. Amen? Father God, I pray that you would give us a vision like David's. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would not help us to be blinded um, 
by the giants in front of us, but Father, that you would open our hearts and help us to see your love and to respond to your glory. And Lord, then we would make a move that would be as big and as bold as your love. Father, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.